0: Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for February has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at Cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E-Fly, and let them know you heard about them on 5x5. We're doing live today. This is our first live episode. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do a sponsor read to save some time, and then I'm going to introduce our wonderful guest for the day. And our our first sponsor today is FreshBooks. It's tax time. And if you're not using FreshBooks, your life is probably a mess right now. Uh, So tell me if this sounds right. You're hunting for receipts, digging digging through invoices, going through every record one by one, and it's the worst. FreshBooks is a simple cloud accounting solution that makes tax time a breeze. With FreshBooks, you can create professional-looking invoices, capture and track expenses, and get real-time business reports with just a couple of clicks. Plus, you can work from anywhere with FreshBooks, mobile apps uh, for your phone and your tablet. I wish I'd known about FreshBooks when I was first starting out, it would have saved me a ton of headaches with invoicing, collecting, all of the fun stuff that goes with, uh, with freelancing. So the sooner you start using FreshBooks, the sooner you can start focusing on the work you love. Focus on your work, not your paperwork. For a limited time, try FreshBooks free for 60 days. If, to get started, visit FreshBooks.com. I'm sorry, visit GetFreshBooks.com now and enter Systematic in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Right now, FreshBooks is giving our listeners an extended 60 day free trial to make tax time a breeze. So go to GetFreshBooks.com and enter Systematic in the How Did You Hear About Us uh, when you sign up. And thank you to FreshBooks for supporting 5x5 and Systematic. All right, my guest this week is Colin DeVroe. How's it going, Colin?
1: Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks for having me on the, on systematic.
0: My pleasure. Uh, we should warn people you're in a coffee house, so there might be some, uh, some peripheral noise, but it sounds good right now. Yep. There's a lot going on. (laughs) All right. Um, so you currently, your, your project is a bookmarking system called unmarked. Do you want to tell us about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um,
1: This is really like an interesting story. I um, built Unmark under a different name called Nilai, which is the Indonesian word for Mark. That obviously has a backstory, but my father was born in uh, Bandung, Java, Indonesia. And so I kind of picked like a cool name, but I built it in my pub. I have a pub in my house. And while I'm watching basketball, I kind of like to program. I'm sure a lot of people are very similar to me, kind of after hours stuff. And uh, when I started uh, my latest company plane, um, we kind of shelved it. Yeah, my code isn't all that great, so it wasn't production ready for sure, although it was a service that was running online. So we put it away, and um, you know, after about a year of building another product that we have called Barley, uh, we yeah. decided to kind of bring it off the shelf and dust it off and say, "What can we do here and the, the bent of of Unmark is that it's a, a to do app for bookmarks. So rather than just being a, a place to store tons of stuff that you'll look up maybe a year from now or maybe never get back to the bookmarks that you save, Unmark is really a temporary place. Um, something that you'll buy later, you'll put into Unmark. Uh, maybe some research that you'd like to do later that day, uh, an article that you'd like to read, or, or a podcast that you'd like to listen to, you'd put that into Unmark. And then when you're finished with it, just like any other to-do item, you check it off and you move on. And so we're kind of really sticking to that as being the basis for what we do with the app. And uh, so far, it's been going pretty well. It's, um, we've got about 3,100 users so far. Um, and this is all with no marketing. We're not putting any money into this. This is a side project for us. Uh, and, and it's, it's been really, really interesting to build and to see how people use it.
0: Awesome. I'm actually running it on a, uh, a personal server because it is open source. Mm-hmm. Having fun with that. I I really like, I like the idea behind it. I'm a, I'm a religiously fanatic pinboard user. Yes. And I use so that much. for, for archiving. But for mm-hmm. short-term links, like I've always used um, Pocket, well, pri- previously into the paper and now Pocket for kind of uh, things that are transient that I just I want to read and then check off. And yep. Unmark is actually serving that purpose really well. Plus, oh, that's my cool here, yeah. my to uh, buy yeah. list is uh, I-, I can stop using the to buy tag on pinboard now. It's nice. So what are you doing? uh, What are you doing for um, uh, supporting yourself right now? What's your, what's your primary day project?
1: Um, So I run a company called plane and there's about seven of us now full time. Um, And we have a product called barley, which is um, it's, it's an editor for Web content. So it's, it's, we built our own CMS, but we also have plugins for WordPress and for Drupal and, and any developer can use Barley, uh, in their own applications. So we have, uh, resume.com and, uh, Basecamp is looking into using it, and um, Exposure, which is like a photo essay service that that recently was launched by Kyle Bragger, um, they're u- using it inside of their app, so people can just use it inside their applications um, for like a commercial license fee. And essentially, what it does is it, it removes the need for anybody to have a form in their content managing service, whether they're you know a, a very simple uh, form process like resume.com used to ask things like, what's your education? And what was your career over the last few years? Instead of that being more of a formed based process, now they can actually give you a web page that you can fill out in line and then just hit save. Um, and so, you know, people are kind of finding it uh, very useful. And, and um, we've been working on that for about 16 months now, something like that.
0: Nice. Okay. So, so that's a paid project and you developed that Behind closed doors, kind of siloed development on that, right?
1: Yeah, we 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 tr- we wanted to learn how to uh, what what would work for our team for launching products. So everybody knows the Apple way um, of not telling anybody anything and then having like a media splash. Um, so we tried that with Barley, uh, and then we kind of tried. You could maybe you could liken it to the Google way of uh, with Unmark. We did everything in the open. Um, we published our roadmap, we showed our style guides, um, we had an open Trello board, uh, the source was completely open while we made the changes and while we committed and everything on GitHub. And so there are very big differences between the two of those approaches, and we we, don't, we, weren't, we weren't beholden to either one of them, but we really as a team uh, wanted to learn what we liked for us. And I think what we ended up settling on is a flavor of both of those things. Um, I think from now on, we'll probably build things that are more open than they are closed. And I think the main reason why we've settled on that is because um, uh, you know, we've all had services that we've used online that have gone away because the business model didn't work. Uh, maybe you know uh, some of these free services didn't catch on big enough to make any ad dollars or whatever it might be. Uh, we recently had one of my friend. Um, I have a friend named Jason Santa Maria who had a service called Editorially, and we use that every single day. And when we heard that they were going to close down, you know, we were not only heartbroken for our friends, to be honest with you, but also that we were going to lose a tool that we use every day. And so, from now on, we want to be able to provide a solution that everybody loves and they think for, uh, so that they can support our team to work on these on these projects. But I think more important is that if, if we go away, if something happens to our business, if um, if we can't get enough traction or if we're just not good enough at our jobs to make any money on these things, that you can use Unmark as an example forever now. So you can just take it and and like Brett is running it, um, use it forever on your own, even if we don't figure out a good business model for it.
0: So do, do you feel like uh, your business model at present is going to be sustainable?
1: Um... Yes. I mean we we definitely are going to be sustainable as a company. Um will Unmark ever let us go to Vegas? I don't know. Um I I mean, I'll be very open book with you. We have probably about a one percent paid rate. And when we hit maybe five thousand to ten thousand users, we're going to open up sponsorships, not necessarily ads. Um these won't be like Google ads or um just the run of the mill ads. We actually have a lot of friends that build a lot of things. And all of them, we would like to help them tell people about it. So I think that we would start with sponsorships, perhaps just very, very simple, uh, well-crafted sponsorships in the sidebar or something, just to help promote some of our friends' products. But in turn, they would maybe pay a few bucks to us to help make Unmark a sustainable thing. We're not looking to make a lot of money on Unmark, just enough for us to pay attention to it every month and keep making updates to it.
0: Nice. I uh, I hope I I wish you the best with that. It's a really cool service. Editorial was really cool too. I was, and the team behind editorial editorially. Yeah. I'm sorry. Editorial. It's <laughs> a mouthful. Um, mm-hmm. The team behind that was they were superstars. I, I love all those guys. Um, yeah. I it, that was kind of a heartbreaking uh, news to get. Yep. Yeah. But so it just
1: shows you that this is not an easy business. Um. I think a lot of times we, you know, this might be another topic, Brett. I don't mean to diverge too much, but... Um, Tangents are s- fine. Yeah. Well, we see a lot of headlines, you know, like so-and-so raised $10 million and so-and-so sold to such-and-such for a billion or whatever it might be. And sometimes we can get lost in that. I mean, for every single one of those types of headlines that you see, there are, you know, a hundred companies or products that go away. Um, and it is not necessarily just about a star team. I don't think that Jason and Mandy and everybody over there could have built a better team. I respect every single one of the people that they had. Uh, but that just shows you how hard it is to build a service, to build it in a way that you can make money on it, and then to get people to actually use it. We, we're, we're on an internet now where everything is free. Um, and so it's. I would just say that, that if you ever find something that you like, try to support it as much as you possibly can, whether that be by word of mouth or sending a tweet or by opening your wallet. Because if you don't want something to disappear, you may have to be the person not go away. Especially with somebody like Brett. Brett, you have so many of these products that are out there, these different projects that you put out there. Many of them are donationware, if you want to call them that. Um, I think that's great. But I think that you know, I, I hope that people support you and your projects because I mean I use some of your projects every single day. But I, I I know that if if you just decided not to do them anymore or you couldn't manage to to figure out a way to to make any money on any of those things, that they'll go away. So I just I'm a big proponent of um trying to help the projects and the people that that make things happen.
0: How do you feel about the difference between fundraising and paid models, or the combination of?
1: Do you mean fundraising like a whole company or do you mean like a Kickstarter type thing?
0: Either way. I mean, because you basically, you have, you have funding, you can, you can go out there, you can get a few million in funding before yeah. you release a project, or you can put in the work up front and hope that you make a profit once it's out. Yeah. Which way, do you, which way do you think is the smarter way to go?
1: Um, I think it depends on the person. It depends on the product. And it depends on the need for that product in the marketplace. So uh, as an example, we raised money for Barley. Um, we, we had a prototype that we had put together. Uh, we put together a pretty good presentation on what we thought we were going to be able to do with it. Um, we, we, our prototype was usable and, and, and people could understand. Like if we went to an investor, they could, they could see exactly what it is that we wanted to put together. Um, and we raised some money for that. Um, that money it does not come... Alone, it comes with terms. A lot of times, Um, you'll see a lot of companies go away that looked like they should have been successes because they didn't meet the terms of the deal they made with their investors. So, uh, if you're building something that you would like to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of users of, uh, because you want to give it away for free, and you know that you need to raise money in order to be able to do that, um, no investors won't care that you made it to 50,000 users because what you really needed to make was 250,000 users. So are you willing to walk away from a project that you only did one fifth as good as you said you were going to do? Now, if you were bootstrapping it, uh, you could stick with it. You could let it sit there and, and let it get traction over time, or maybe it, maybe it built up slower than you had envisioned from the beginning. But, um, you know those are the types of choices that you make when you when you bring money in. Uh, they come with people, they come with demands they come with terms uh, and you give up a piece of your company to to somebody else so i don 't there 's never a, a clear cut right answer, um, but I would say that you should be very careful when you start to go down that path because you may not like what you get now if you love that kind of thing and you 've done it before. Uh, I'm sure there are very big proponents of doing that because it, it works very well for some
0: circumstances. Wow. You, you talk really fast. I'm sorry. I'm the last. It's it's great because we're on a Um, schedule today.
1: (laughs) I'm the last kid of six. So for me to be able to get any words in as when I was a kid,
0: I had to be able to talk quickly. You have to dominate the conversation. I understand. (laughs) <laughs> not that, not that you're dominating our conversation. I just, I can imagine in a family of uh, six kids that would be oh, a, yeah. a requisite for sure. And um, food. <laughs> did you have to scrap for food? You, you had to dive on the table, man. Get whatever you could. Yeah, my dad is a, a twin from a family of five kids, and and I, I feel like, I feel like he and his brother must have worked out some kind of system for that kind of thing because they both came out very. <laughs> Uh you would never guess they came from a larger family but anyway um <laughs> uh, since we're 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 moving so quickly I'm going to go ahead and take a sponsor break and then come back and talk to some about some of the other topics that we had sure. con- we had discussed in the pre-show. Um so our second sponsor today is Shutterstock where you'll find over 28 million images, stock photos, vectors, illustrations and a million video clips. Start your sh- your search at shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any other creative project. Shutterstock.com gives you a global image collection to find images from around the world to suit your project. Choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages. You can choose whatever fits your need and never have to compromise. If you need just one image for your blog or mock-up, you can do that, too. Every time you visit Shutterstock, you'll find something new because they add 20,000 new images every day and 12,000 videos every week. It's more affordable than you think too, with no extra charge for large files. Just download any image at any size and pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for high resolution images. If you need them, you can just take them. Easily curate and share pictures via light boxes. You can choose your favorite pictures or videos and add them to your own light box gallery as you search. You can also use their iPad app to do this. Then there's something called enhanced license access if you like an image and you want to run it on print or swag for your trade shows, they can get you an enhanced license for any image. They also have a huge library of vectors, icons, infographic templates, and video clips should you need any of those. And if you need help at Shutterstock.com, you get an account rep dedicated to you who will answer any questions, and they also have 24-hour support during the week. To sign up for a free browse account, go to Shutterstock.com, no credit card needed. When you find the images you like and decide to purchase, use the offer code DANSENTME314 and get 25% off of any package you put together over at Shutterstock.com. You've got me talking super fast now. I feel hyper. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the things you mentioned is that you enjoy watercolor. Yeah. Like, so you, you paint in watercolor.
1: I have. Um, I've sort of started to walk away from that hobby a little bit. Um, I recently turned over most of my art, uh whatever you want to call it, art tools and and different stuff that I had collected over the years to my niece because she started getting into it. But um but yeah, and I, I run out I'm actually more fascinated with the inspiration that it that it kind of brings. Um I run a my own gallery online, um, which i ran for a few years. Uh so if you you know do a search on Google for watercolor gallery. I'm probably number one or number two on there. Um, and you know it's it's just a really interesting thing to be to be involved with something that's completely it's so creative, but it's completely different than maybe raw code is on on a screen. Uh, sure
0: so do you ever have you ever used like uh, layers or paper or any of the iPad apps that kind of replicate? the uh the final product of a watercolor
1: yeah yeah i've used uh a lot of i've I've tried probably you know i don't know if you're like me but i try every app pretty
0: much (laughs) yeah yeah i'm very much that way um yeah do, do you obviously i i well i feel like i know the answer but how do you think that working on an ipad compares to working on paper and do you feel like there's uh do you feel like there's any correlation at all?
1: I so those are two very different questions. So I, I think I think that we'll get there when it comes to like digital for photo- like digital painting, if you want to call it that. There's probably there's probably a very specific term for that. I don't know what it is, but um, I I'm amazed at where we already are, especially with some of the touch sensitive stuff um given that i'm i'm touching a piece of glass and it knows how heavy or fast or whatever very very cool uh stuff happening there is it as you know tangential as as perhaps a uh you know using a, a canvas or whatever i don't think so i mean i don't know if you ever saw some of these different forms the the one thing that you have with um with any kind of painting is that you have so many different methods for uh, what it is you're trying to do. So uh, one example is maybe the dry method with, with watercolor. Another example, maybe gravity method. Um, and so what ends up people end up doing there is masking certain areas of their canvas and then using a very wet version of watercolor to drip onto the canvas from above the canvas and then allowing gravity by tilting the canvas in your hands back and forth to fill in some of the spaces. Um, there are some really great YouTube videos out of there for some people that are very skilled at that, and it is really amazing the the that the end product is so much more different than it would be if someone was just painting it by hand. Um, I don't know that you could ever get that kind of thing with i with the iPad. I don't. I think that people will be doing some very interesting things. I know that pencils and pens that are real that you can use on the iPad now and they're touch sensitive and some of them have software directly in them and things I think we're going to make a lot of headway there um, but there cannot be any substitute for being outdoors perhaps in the Grand Canyon or something and trying to do a plein air piece of the Grand Canyon in, in a way that you would never be able to do with an iPad so I don't know that they correlate I think the skills of, a, of an artist do Things like, you know, uh being able to paint your subject and knowing scale and, and perspective and all those things, those probably without a doubt, uh, you know, go hand in hand with each other. But the tool the mediums are so different that I don't think they could be compared to really.
0: Oh, are they different enough that you could do things on an iPad that you feel like you couldn't do on paper with watercolor?
1: Oh absolutely. You can erase anything. You can undo anything. Um,
0: nice I comment. think
1: that's yeah. <laughs> um, but I think also if you look at a lot of artists work, um, some of the, the, the really, maybe not in the realism spectrum, but in, in other forms of, of art, uh, they would hate the undo button, um, or would just choose not to use it. There is no undo button with painting. Um, there are things that you can do to kind of, you know, make it look like you didn't do make a mistake, but some of the mistakes have made some of the best art. So sure. Uh, You know, I think uh, the undo button is there for maybe those of us that are not like people that make art for a living, but want to make like a poster or something, but not for, not for uh, artists that, that kind of, uh, I I think there's, there's probably a very good phrase for this, but something about constraints, breeding creativity. I think the medium would definitely, would definitely dictate the, the, the end product.
0: I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think uh, I think working within grids does. Uh, like for me, I'm a, I w- I was a graphic designer mo- more than anything, um, mm-hmm. and and having the grid, having the the constraints, having the requirements, very much opened up uh, the creativity, mm-hmm. uh, the the potential to really work within the confines. Um, I think charcoal. Is actually a closer comparison to the iPad than watercolor is sure sure yep, uh, have, absolutely. You ever, have you ever worked in charcoal yeah it's amazing it's, it's so much fun because you can just you just keep smudging and layering things until it works Yep. I and, love I, it. and
1: I think that uh, that's a really good analogy i don't think i 've heard anybody you know compare the two things, but just being able to put some material down and then moving that material is very much akin to what you would do on an
0: iPad. Exactly, exactly. And, and honestly, the, the work that I've done on an iPad, which is not extensive, but the artwork that I've done there has very much been in that vein. I don't think I've ever used an undo button, possibly an eraser in the way that you would sketching. Sure. Um, but not a full undo. Like, I'll just keep molding things. And most of the applications that I've played with very much allow you to just kind of smudge and, and layer until you get the, uh, the effect you want. Yeah. So do you have a love of water or is your kayaking hobby, uh, completely unrelated to the (laughs) watercolor?
1: Well, it's not my hobby
0: yet, but it's a it's about to be,
1: um, it was really interesting the way this ended up happening. But like when I was a kid, I was always outside. Um, I was never indoors. I was either always playing basketball or I grew up on a, uh, Uh, where my parents owned like three acres of woods. So I was camping all the time. I was out. I was never inside. And then came the computer. And, uh, and that was about 14 years old then. Now I'm 34 this year. So for the last 30 or excuse me, the last 20 years, I, I haven't been outside. Um, except for like vacations or whatever. I'm sick of it. Uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I think I need to, reestablish some balance between the two. I work quite a bit. I love my work. Um, I'll probably never not work, but uh, I think I need to start bringing some balance to this thing. And, and so what I decided to do was pick up a hobby that like literally made me get outside for a long period of time at, in any duration, so not going for like a you know like a, a one mile hike or something like that this is gonna be kayaking in places like Scotland and uh, in different places in the united states and and literally traveling to these places and doing some kayaking and stuff and so this is the year I'm gonna start doing that. I picked up my kayak already I picked up an oru kayak which if you guys are if anybody on this is listening in cities or, or, you know, on their commute to work or whatever um, the Oru kayak folds up and fits in your trunk. It can also be checked baggage on a plane. And so it's pretty cool in that, in that sense that, you know, you think kayaking and you're like, man, how the heck am I ever going to get this kayak around? But for some of us that that live near cities and things, you can, this can definitely fit into that lifestyle. Um, And I'm, I'm really excited to get started. I start my training in May. So
0: nice. I uh, I happen to live on the Mississippi River, uh, with lots of back channels like- and. Um, yeah, do you the, do any kayaking? I have kayaked. I do mm-hmm. not love the water. I do oh, not okay. feel comfortable in small objects floating on uh, large things that have undercurrents, and I can't see what's <laughs> underneath me. Um, yeah, uh, it's not like a a, a phobia. So much as it is just, uh, I feel more comfortable walking on the ground. Um, but I've canoed, I've kayaked. And when my wife, when I met my wife, uh, she was actually working at an outdoor outfitters. And, uh, so we had access to all kinds of floating objects. And, uh, so I've, I've been there, I've done it. It is, uh, the, the kayaking I've done on a little bit rougher water was actually really fun. And I found that the trick is to tip your kayak right at the beginning just get wet, it, it exactly. reduces, oh, it reduces so too, yeah. the nervousness so much.
1: Yep, I, I agree with you, it's kinda like uh, building apps, man, just don't don't <laughs> fool around, just start building an app, and when you ruin it, that's when you learn the most.
0: Yeah, the problem is, you tip a kayak, you get wet, and then you dry off as you go, <laughs> you, you really, truly mess up an app when you get started. If you yeah. don't go back and start over, you end up with a pile of, of unworkable legacy code that doesn't dry out, you know, it's uh, that's true. I, I see the correlation, but I also see the some differences there
1: in in both programming and kayaking. You want to be dry. Isn't that true? not that true?
0: <laughs> do not repeat yourself. Yes. <laughs> All right. So can, um,
1: since since we have you live on a podcast, I want to hold you down to something. I think that you should do a special episode and I'll come out and we'll we'll kayak together on the river and we'll record like a special episode while we're while we're kayaking.
0: I see so many problems with that idea. <laughs> Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi um, being the first. So one. We don't have to do it. We don't have to do it live. So we we carry tape recorders and just strap yeah, them to yeah. our chest. Old school, they waterproof tape recorders, right? I imagine they do. That would be an interesting episode. That would require some editing. I'm sure Zach would love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. All right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and uh and do our last sponsor and then we can do the top 3 picks and close out the show that way. Sure. That sounds like fun to me. Our third sponsor today is mailchimp.com, easy email newsletters. Mailchimp helps you design email newsletters. Yes. Mailchimp helps you design email newsletters, share them on social networks, integrate with services you already use and track your results. It's like your own personal publishing platform. They help you customize your sign up form to match your brand. So you can share it on your website and integrate it into your Facebook page. You can even collect signups from an iPad or a laptop. And importing an existing list into MailChimp is a snap, no matter how it's formatted. And you can personalize everything your subscribers see, including signup forms and confirmation emails. And there's never been a better time to try MailChimp. With 2,000 subscribers, you can send 12,000 emails per month forever. Just uh, visit MailChimp.com slash 5x5 to learn more. All right. Oh, man, I don't like my top three picks. I'm going to let you start. And while you talk, we'll debate yours and I'll make some up.
1: (laughs) Okay, sounds good. So uh, my first one is Twitter lists. Um, If anybody looks at my Twitter account, uh, you'll see that I only follow like I don't even know how many it is right now, but it's usually less than one hundred. And so sometimes I'll get people, you know, especially my friends will even email me and say, like, what the heck, man? Why don't you follow me back? Twitter lists are really, really powerful if you don't use these already. Um, And I also recommend using a client that supports these well. So Twitter lists, for those that haven't seen them, is just a way for you to create uh, lists of accounts that you'd like to keep up with but that you don't want to follow. So you, you don't have to follow an account to add it to a list. So let's say you wanted to create a news list, uh, and you could fill in, you know, maybe maybe some of the headline news stuff or whatever it might be that might interest you. And then whenever you want, you can click on that list, whether it's through Twitter.com or I use Tweetbot on every platform. I love Tweetbot, um, and it supports lists really really well. So I click on my news list and I can see everything. So I follow through lists about thirteen hundred and fifty accounts, something like that at my last count anyway. Um, I have a blog post about this, which I don't know if you want to link this up, Brett, right or not. But the way I use Twitter lists is on my blog. And the really, the really powerful thing is to have a scratch list. So you have a list that you just throw stuff into and see whether you want to add it to a different list or you want to follow it later on. I throw a lot of stuff in my scratch list when I go on vacations. So I'll throw like every place that I'm going to go like any of the pubs I'm going to visit or any of the hotels or whatever it might be, I throw everything into that list. And so that way, while, before I get there, I know what's going on for those events. If they tweet out a special or a coupon code or anything, I'll see that. And then if I really like what they share, I'll end up putting it on on another list. I think I have the lists on my site. I'm not sure, but I have, lists for people I met at conferences, which are a lot of, a lot of people, you know, you, you end up meeting a lot of people, but you may not want to follow them, but you may want to keep up with what they're building or what they're doing. Uh, So I just think Twitter lists are a really, really good way to kind of remove the noise that happens when you do follow like 1500 accounts and gives you sort of an on-demand look at what's going on on Twitter. So you can just go in and, and say, okay, you know what, today I feel like looking at all the designers that I know and see what, what's going on in the world of design. All right, so do that's you, just my, my first pick.
0: Yeah, do you combine your lists with filters? Uh, TweetBot has great like regular expression filters. Do you, yeah. do you filter noise out of your lists or, or are your lists pretty well trimmed already? They're
1: pretty well trimmed. If somebody if somebody's annoying, literally I, I just remove it. And I don't feel bad about doing something like that. Um I think that Yeah, and what I mean by annoying is means something different than than to everybody. Some people don't like people that share a lot of links to what they're doing or whatever it might be. Um uh so I'll use filters. Maybe I will when there's like something on T V that somebody's going crazy about, but I generally don't use filters that much. I don't need to, usually. Nice.
0: Yeah, I uh my, right. I am on a lot of lists that, that I think they don't contribute to your follower account. So you don't realize when people have taken you off of lists as much. Yeah. So I wouldn't feel bad about it either because it's kind of yeah. like a, a secret way to follow and unfollow people. Unlike how, many, Facebook, how many, I feel how many lists are you on? I don't I don't even know. I don't track it anymore. I used to use think up, but I switched computers and never set it back up. Oh,
1: I wanted to see, I bet, I bet you you might be on more lists than people follow you. I mean, I don't no, know how many people follow you.
0: but Not not, not a chance.
1: Not I'd a like, chance? Uh,
0: 9,500 followers, but I think I'm probably on a couple hundred lists. 9,500 followers? What, what do you yeah. share on there? I, I don't what? follow you, I gotta follow you now. I, I share uh, pictures of my dogs and cats. Oh, that I definitely have. No, and projects projects that I'm working <laughs> on, links yeah. that interest me. But uh, I do share the occasional picture of my dog and cat, which dogs and cats, which I think keeps my follow follower count uh, a little lower. Yeah. uh, Only people that are actually interested in me.
1: You wouldn't be a good Twitter user if it wasn't like a pet pic every now and then.
0: I I agree. I agree. People would get mad at me. Mm -hmm. I've had people say, I haven't seen a picture of your dog for like two weeks. What are you doing? Anyway. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So all right I'm 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 doing these on the fly but my first pick is going to be Super Stickman Golf 2. I may have picked this before but it has hmm. been a bit of an obsession for me lately. I think uh, I played the first version of that, I'm not sure. Yeah, the second one it just adds some extra like super balls. Yeah. <laughs> do do what you want with that. But um <laughs> and and the interactive like I enjoy it. I'd be done with it if it weren't for the fact that I can play against people. Uh, turn by turn and Mm -hmm. i'm playing against people that are ranked twice as high as me and every game is a real challenge and i get humiliated frequently actually constantly i've never played a game yet against anyone else that i felt i wasn't humiliated uh by but somehow that keeps drawing me back because i feel like i get a little bit better every time it's kind of like threes threes is hard for me i'm I see the patterns, but I don't. I mess them up all the time. But mm-hmm. I keep coming back. It's very addictive. The, <laughs> I'm addicted to losing, I think. Yeah,
1: I, I'm kind of the same way when it comes to games. I only play one game. Um, and I play. I know this is so iOS 6, but I play Letterpress. And yes. uh, so I like to play with people that just tear me up. Um, and I do play with a couple of girls that I know and mostly girls just dominate in that game. But um, I I like that because how else are you going to get better?
0: You know, have you ever played letterpress against me? I can't remember. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think I had you on game center. or anything. so. We should. I play letterpress daily. Do you? Yeah.
1: I play probably twice a day. Usually, usually when I'm in bed, like so in bed in the morning and then in bed at night, I
0: usually like to play like a word or two on every game. Most important word to know is, well, Besides QIS, however you say that, I, I don't want to mispronounce this because it'll it'll, yes. it'll get uh, focker, F A Q I R, F A Q I R. Yeah, it's a great word to know for letterpress. Wow, remember it; it will come in handy. Yeah, got it. All right. So, what's your second pick?
1: My second piss is my second piss. Yeah, my second piss. My second pick is not a app. Um. It is a kind of like a thing that you can do no matter what app you're using. So I really strongly suggest this. It's keeping an end of day list. So a lot of us in the creative community are, are people that like maybe work too much. And what ends up happening is you leave work or, you, or if you work at home or something like that, you go down to the kitchen and you're talking to your wife or, or whoever, you know your roommate or something, and your mind is still at work. There is a really cool way to kind of combat that. Um, And it's called an end of day list. So whether you use like just iOS's notes app or or a piece of paper, it doesn't matter. Um, At the end of the day, when you're ready to wrap up, especially if you're in the middle of something jot down a whole bunch of stuff. So if you said like, man, I got to follow up with this guy. I've got to answer this email or, you know, here's a half bit you know, piece of code that I kind of have stuck in my head that I want to add. Whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. It can be very loose. It does not matter. There's no structure to this. You just dump it into an end of day list so that you can forget about it almost. And that way, when you get in in the morning, you are almost back where you started. It doesn't seem like it would help as much as it does. But if you get into a habit of doing it, It actually is more help to you the day that you do it than it is the next day. So you don't, you know, everybody knows that when you get into a, oh, if you look it up on on Wikipedia, but you get into like a groove programming or something, um, getting back into that groove does take, you know, probably half an hour again, just like it would any other time. But, but when you leave work and your wife asks you about what's for dinner or something like that, you're not thinking about like some kind of weird array that you can't
0: quite figure out or something (laughs) Did you, uh, did you see my last project doing? Um, I have been following it on app.net a little bit, but I haven't used it yet. It is, it's very much that idea where I record as I, as I start projects and as I, as I walk away from projects, uh, whether momentarily or permanently, I keep track of what I was doing. Then at the end of the day, I can see in terminal. I can just type right. doing show all and see everything I've worked on for that day and then i can mark things as you know done or or uh ongoing yeah. and it's very much that same concept where you get things out of your head mm-hmm. and then when you come back after dinner or breakfast or whenever you get back to it yeah you don't you don't have you don't face that like oh man i feel like i worked on a lot of stuff but i can't remember what any of it was so yeah, that. it
1: works. It works for me, and I and I know that my one of my friends, Sean Blanc, uh, linked to it on his blog. Um, I don't know if you want to. I give you those links, Brett. I'm not sure if you want to yeah, shoot sh- them all sh- to those. me. I'll Put them all up. Yeah. Um. And and that's where I kind of found it was through Sean. So definitely props to him. But it it's uh, it definitely works.
0: Nice, nice. All right. Um. Did I come up with a second pick yet? I don't know. I thought I? I had. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is weird one, but I, I I bought some soundproofing foam. I haven't soundproofed a room since I was in my twenties somewhere. Um, so I bought some soundproofing foam and tried to put it up with Velcro, which is the way I remembered having last done it. And it was oh, it was a mess. It all fell hmm. off the wall about an hour later. Oh wow! So I bought this stuff called Rlx TT Pro tack Pro Liquid Adhesive, and it's basically it's caulk with strong adhesive properties and it like soaks into the foam and then it adheres to the wall and it did the job so well that i have to make it a pick wow you can get it on amazon for like i think it was eight bucks and for a tube of it which was enough to do one two three four five six panels six two foot by two foot panels
1: do you know what my soundproofing foam is right now in this cafe i'm i'm guessing no what is it I am sitting in a corner of a cafe in Scranton, Pennsylvania, with a jacket over my head and over my laptop.
0: I bet you you're going to get some comments as you walk out, or some looks. Yeah, you they, like, they probably the thought I was the corner.
1: Yeah,
0: they probably thought I was weirder before I did
1: this, so I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so third pick then. Yeah, Slack. Yeah, from I want to hear about this. From my boy Stuart Butterfield, you guys may remember Stuart. Uh, he was one of the founders of Flickr, um, which then, you know, very sadly sold to Yahoo back in the day. But um, Slack is a chat program that is aiming to replace email. So it's and it and it for our company it has. I mean, we we've I've written about it on my blog and also on our company blog a little bit. Uh, we got in very early on in the beta and we've been using it ever since. And now we're paying customers. Um, and, and it, you know, you might say like, well, there's campfire out there. There's IRC, there's this Slack is really trying to push this whole idea of replacing internal communication for everything that you do as a team. So to give you some examples, you can have a team chat, uh, for like, let's say the entire team, and then you can create channels, uh, similar to campfires, lobby kind of thing, um, where you could create a channel for like, we have a channel for Barley. We have a channel for Unmark. We have a channel for um, the co-founders. We have a channel for the dev team. We have a channel for design. And what's nice about that is I never a channel for systems. So I don't have to necessarily deal with the rack space problems and things like that. Um, then we have a notifications channel. So everything that goes through Stripe, um, everything that goes through um, all of our error reporting through, um, uh, you probably know the name of this stupid thing and I can't remember it right now. It's not stupid though. It's great. New Relic or any of those kind of things, all everything that we want goes into these different channels. So if our app is actually throwing errors, we'll know in Slack. Um, and so that saves on so many emails. I mean, um, a few of our, a few of our guys on our team never ever have to open up their email client anymore because everything goes through Slack and they like that way better than checking email. So, uh, your mileage may vary, but I can definitely recommend, uh, getting down on some Slack.
0: I, I I'm in a couple of boards right now I haven't really gotten into using it but it's very intriguing to me and uh, I love any service that reduces mass chain emails yeah Those drive me nuts all right yeah. well we're, we're we're running right up against the end here so I'll do my third pick quickly um, mm-hmm. uh, cards against humanity oh boy Have you ever played it uh i'm not I'm not gonna say yes or no on that Okay, well, I uh, I assume I assume that you're you're innocent and pure and I've never touched it. But if you're looking for a game to play with a truly twisted bunch of friends, Cards Against mm. Humanity is a blast. Do not play it with uh uh anyone who would identify self-identify as conservative, mm-hmm. um or or um uh humane, <laughs> even on or, the edge or, of that, or though, civil, like civil. <laughs>
1: I've seen some people who I would never categorize them as any of those things that you just said, and I've seen them walk away from a game like that.
0: I yeah, I think I think they're called nice people. Don't play it with nice people. <laughs> and that's all I'll tell you about it. We'll we'll leave it at that. Um, so let's give people some idea where they can contact you. Twitter, I believe it's C DeVro.
1: Yeah, um, I guess the best place is probably our main company website, which is plainmade.com, P-L-A-I-N M-A-D-E dot com okay. uh, and you click on, click on the company tab and you see, you can get in contact with anybody from our team.
0: Nice. Yeah. And you're on App.net as well, is it the same as Twitter? Yep. Okay. Um, and I just want to say to anyone listening who's going to be at Macworld, I'm speaking on Thursday, right after uh, uh, Mr. David Sparks. And, Sweet. And uh, if, you're, if you're there though, even if you can't make it to the talk, I'd, I'd love to meet up with people, so... Feel free to drop me a line through the 5 by 5 form or uh, brettterpshire.com slash contact. We'll get you there as well. Um, and keep the audio drops coming. I'll, I'll leave a link to that in this week's show notes. And uh, and visit me at brettterpshire.com. Thanks a ton for being here, Talon.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun, and I look forward to kayaking with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right. Well, that was Systematic 89 with Colin DeVereaux. Thanks, everyone, for listening.